This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Success Street, the podcast that brings you the information you need to safeguard and optimize your payment acceptance process. This has never been more important as cyber breaches are on the rise along with the need for touch-free and online credit card processing. Join your host, nationally recognized credit card acceptance and e-commerce expert, Jennifer D'Angelo, as she explores the latest trends in essential business operating solutions through conversations with industry leaders, reviews of emerging technologies, and discussions of innovative tools and techniques. She will provide the business resources you require to expertly manage change. Now, here's your host, Jennifer D'Angelo. Good day, SuccessStreet.net listeners. I am here with Jamie Sternberg, and I am delighted because this is my first podcast with an attorney, and of all types of attorneys, this is the one you should consider contacting to protect your intellectual property, Um, trademark, um, copyright, taglines, logos, you name it. So without further ado, Jamie is a trademark and copyright attorney with an intellectual property law firm, Saunders and Silverstein, LLP. For more than 15 years, Jamie has worked with multinational corporations, multi-level companies, entrepreneurs, small businesses, and startups, companies all over the country, actually all over the world, to protect, enforce, monetize their trademark and copyright assets. She works with clients to search and access risk and respect to adopting brand names, slogans, logos to prosecute trademark applications with the USPTO. She'll, I'm sure she'll go into that to litigate and settle trademark disputes to take down infringement material, including on the internet and to negotiate and prepare intellectual property agreements. So, without further ado, today, welcome, Attorney Sternberg. It's nice to have you on our podcast show. Thank, thank you for having me on, Jennifer. It's nice to be here. It's really nice to have you because I feel like, and of all the different business services and professionals I know in our sphere, sphere, if you will, the sphere that we work in is really. Um, contingent about best of business practices and um and keeping uh ourselves protected um you know with intellectual property and otherwise and i'd like to hear um more about yourself and maybe you can tell us one of your most dramatic trademark and in copyright infringement clients or concerns and how that played out um, sure. Um, so I've been doing this for 15 years and, um, helping clients with the search process to make sure their trademarks are available to be used and registered. And a trademark is a brand name, logo, or slogan. 
and um, help clients with the application process with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office for their trademarks and for their copyrighted material with the U.S. Patent and Copyright Office. Um, and over the years, I've spent a lot of time helping clients enforce their marks, you know, whether they're, they see it in brick and mortar places or on the internet. But I've developed a little bit of a specialty in terms of internet enforcement of trademarks and copyrighted material. Um, I've had uh, one of the client that I worked with for um, about a decade uh, had a famous trademark and I did basically all of their online enforcement work because there was a lot of cyber squatting issues. Third parties would register domain names with their trademark in it and they would register um, or they would apply to register trademarks all over the world that were similar to theirs. So we had a watch service set up for trademark applications and registrations, as well as um, infringing domain names. And when you, when there's an infringing domain name, you'll usually find an infringing website along with it. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of um, enforcement work for them, sending out demand letters for trademark infringement, um, handling uniform domain name dispute resolution proceedings, um, which is one of the first steps in terms of uh, a legal process that you can do to take down a domain name um, if the demand letter doesn't work. Um, so that's sort of, um, I love the internet enforcement part of this. Um, and I've developed sort of a, you know, a specialty in that area. Yeah, so your niche is, um, I understand, is even um, broader scope, like as you were saying, internet meaning encompassing social media yes, and so forth. Uh, yeah, that's so key. That's so relevant. Um, you know, and, I, and I, I think that that's a real niche in today's world, and there's not a lot of attorneys in your space. And so um, I really encourage a, a lot of people to go to your website to, to know more about you. And it is, I'm going to give the website too, if people want to look that up while I run the podcast, www.sandsip.com and to seek more knowledge. I, I did some research as I was telling you, um, Jamie, about social media tips that you offer. Um, you do presentations for corporations, most likely, on um, people who work in social media to update your, their practices to protect their, their companies they work for. And one of the social media tips, number one, is make sure you have the right to use the content and the photo photos on your website and social media pages by creating the content yourself by having the copyright assigned or licensed to you or by stock using stock photos. I know that from my site, um, D'Angelo Solutions and so forth, and having been in business for the third years that I've been a professional that you, you, you have to do this. Um, and you have to double, triple check that those photos even are not used by anybody else. Um, I mean, owned by anybody else that you either took them or they clearly say stock images and you don't want to be deceived. And that's like an obvious one. Um, 
and content. I mean, it's just so easy uh, these days with everything going online to think that, you know, you, you might be under the radar, but, it, it, you know, it's like that old motto, don't do without, check it out, check it out with an attorney and you can right. sleep better at night, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And a lot of people don't think about that. They're, you know, starting their new business they're creating their website. Um, and there's a lot to think about, you know, first is my brand name that I've picked available to be used and registered so that I don't invest any time or money building up this brand name only to receive a demand letter six months or a year after you've already started your business. Um, and then there's, you know, the building of your website and making sure that the content you're using to build it is also available, not just the brand name, but the content, um, you want to make sure that you either take the pictures, you hire a photographer to take the pictures for you, and the photographer assigns um, the intellectual property and those photos to you or license it, licenses the right to you, um, or you use stock photos and you make sure you look at the terms of use on the website where you're getting the photos to make sure you are using the photos in a way that they can be used. That's fabulous. I worked with um, Jen Foster on my landing page. So I have a landing page and a website. Are the, obviously, the landing pages, like the one-page websites um, for a specific purpose, also have to be, um, you know, intellectually property rights um, secure. And you have to, you know, it's like anything else on the internet. It's even in Facebook or LinkedIn. Like right. I can't go borrow my, you know, a company's logo without permission technically. Well, you, I mean, there's instances, well, there's instances where you can use a company's trademarks. And that's like, if that's the only way to refer to the company, um, yeah. say you're in a newspaper article or for comparative advertising. But usually you want to keep it to just the brand name. Um, there aren't a lot of times where you would really need to use a logo. Mm -hmm. um, if you can just keep it to the brand name, that would be better in terms of fair use. Um, but sometimes if you're, if you're using it in a way that you're promoting your product by using another trademark and it's not deemed comparative advertising, then you want to think twice about doing that. And for example, like as a hashtag, if someone has a registered hashtag or a, uh, or a registered trademark and you're using the registered trademark as part of your hashtag, that could potentially be deemed infringement. Yeah, so interesting. Okay. And I think this field is continuing to evolve. Uh, you know, the, the legal uh, internet um, you know, intellectual property field. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's evolving like, you know, every area of law evolves as as things change and modernize and new um, platforms are introduced, new social media platforms, every platform has its specialty. You know, now there's Clubhouse. Um, and so there's <laughs> gonna be, you know, there with every platform, there's new issues and new problems, new, you have to figure out the way that that platform, how do you get content taken down on that platform? You know, what, what measures you go through um, to do it and, and what's the best way to, to do that. So um, that's what keeps me so passionate about this field, like 15 years into it. 
Yes, anything technology related or, you know, is changing so quickly. And I just feel like you're in that, um, like I said, that area and that niche. And, you know, um, also I was looking up on Amazon, some best-selling books on profit from, and there's the book, Profit from Intellectual Property, The Complete Legal Guide to Copyrights, Trademarks, Patents, Permissions, uh, licensing agreements and taking the mystery out of law. And I just thought, you know, if I was to read that for my business, that would be, you know, great, you know, some kind of information could be a good start, but then to implement it, you need to go to an attorney mm-hmm. and make it legal. Right. And that's where you come in, obviously. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk to an expert in what you're doing. I mean, I am, <laughs> I wouldn't even consider, you know, I, I don't file my own taxes, for example. You know, I, I, I wouldn't paint my own house. It, you know, you, if you are a serious business owner, you need to be thinking it's as important. Protecting your intellectual property is as important as registering your business name with the, the secretary of state. And a business owner, of course, would never forget to do that and wouldn't think that that's not important. So this needs to be considered as important. You need to be looking at your business assets and making sure that they you can sell your business easily, you can expand your business easily. And for the way to do that is to make sure those things are available to be used and to register them with the Copyright Office or the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Right, right. And then you can fine tune things. So one of your, so um, we heard about one of your niche areas, the the internet. Uh And um, you also have done some litigation. Is that right? Yeah, I've litigated um, cases in courts all in federal courts all over the country. not inter- a lot of IP cases don't actually end up going to trial, so no trials. But you know, going through the litigation process, um, negotiating settlements, um, yeah. So trademark and copyright, and then we do a lot of um, litigation. It's administrative litigation work with the uh, trademark trial and appeal board, which is an administrative body that's within the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. So that administrative body will hear appeals if a trademark application gets refused by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, if a third party wants to oppose the registration of a trademark before it gets registered because it thinks that it will somehow um, uh, infringe its rights if if the mark gets registered. Um, And also you can cancel, a third party can cancel a trademark registration through the Trademark Trial Appeal Board. So my law firm spends a lot of time helping clients with those kinds of actions, which is, it's very similar to court litigation, um, but a, a little, it can be a little different, obviously, because of the, there's a differences between court litigation and um, administrative litigation. Understand. Um, except for the part where you've passed the bar exam, obviously, and you know, you went to Tufts Law School and so forth. You're, are you, uh, do you have to be registered in certain states? Like, can you serve anyone in the country? Yeah, so I actually, I went to um, University of Hampshire um, School of Law, 
at okay. that time it was called Franklin Pierce, which oh, they right. still use that to designate their intellectual property um, law part of the school. Right. But, um, and I went to Tufts undergrad. Okay. Um, so, oh, I just forgot your question. I wanted to clarify that because oh, Tufts doesn't have a lot of Serving that, passing the bar exam in order oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to okay. states. Yeah. So you, for, to be a trademark, or copyright attorney, you just have to be licensed in one state. Um, oh. And then you can help clients all over the country, which is Not pretty cool. Yeah. And if they have their headquarters in this country or an office, then you can serve them even if they have offices uh, internationally. Is that correct? So in terms of internationally, um, we work with clients to register their trademarks and enforce their trademarks all over the world. But um, in terms of doing particular things like registering a trademark, if you file a national application for a trademark in another country, you'll need to use local counsel. Sometimes in terms of enforcing a trademark, we can send the first demand letter to a foreign company, but if it gets sticky or there's particular procedures in a certain country, we'll use local counsel or we need to do an opposition or cancellation action We'll use local counsel in another country. Right. So I know attorneys from all over the world. Our practice is very international, which is another reason why I love this area so much. Yes, I was on your website and noticing how you really work as a, a legal team to yep. protect the clients. And you all have your amazing specializations within that area. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know we each, you know, my, I have a strong suit, obviously, as we talked about an in internet and domain name enforcement and our managing partner is a whiz at the trademark trial and appeal board proceedings. Um, I'm just happy to be on his team and not against him um, and to be able to learn from him on that. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, those are just some of like, you know, another one of our partners you know, is really good with uh, terms of use and copyright issues. And, um, and as the firm as a whole has a specialty in the apparel industry, uh, we have a lot of clients in that field. Um, so a lot of interesting work in terms of getting trademarks registered for different designs, um, for variations of different designs on clothing and things like that, which is really fun to get into. Yes, I saw your wonderful uh, PowerPoint presentation, and you had some examples there of um, some people in the fashion industry and um, some great examples. And I, I imagine you're doing some speaking now, too, Jamie. Oh, yeah. Lots of speaking. <laughs> Way more than I've ever done before, which is good. And it's a lot easier now with Zoom. So, uh yeah, well, it's such a pleasure to have you here with us. And now I have a silly question for you. Sure. Let's say I own a domain and um, quality business, business solutions is one of them. Okay. Um, and I want to sell that in the future. Is there anything I need to know about the ins and outs of that with you, with a, an attorney? to get the, the most um, saleable price? Well, so is there a website associated with it? No. It's just a domain name going to an error page or a parked page? 
Yeah, it's, it's probably going back. It's, it's, uh, it could be pointing to my other website. Yes, a website. I don't but think you, it's right now, though. That one is not. But you would just be selling it, selling the domain name and not the associated right. website. Yes. In terms of the domain name, I would say there's not really much else with that. You would just sell it. You could... Um, like through GoDaddy or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if you want to try to purchase a domain name that yeah. someone already owns, yes, you can kind of see what they're charging for it through GoDaddy, for its, for example. Right. And if you think it's too high, the best way to maybe approach them is to do it anonymously because they may have re- have registered the domain knowing about your brand and maybe anticipating you reach out. And when you reach out, could offer a higher price. If they don't know that it's you, then you could get a lower price. And um, okay, so I've helped clients with that process. Oh, okay. For finding finding you know the resources to to for that process. Right. Okay. Good. And uh, yeah, perhaps we can um, talk some more offline about it. There's another idea I had, and then you know I see that a lot of people have obstacles to investing in the protection of their business. And I can't think of a better thing to protect yourself. If you're going to spend the money on a beautiful logo and tagline and yada, yada, it it doesn't make any sense at all to me not to close the gap and make sure you keep everything legal. And is it somewhat affordable or is it, you know, to, to cross all your, you know, T's and dot all your I's in terms of, I mean, I, I saw what you say, consider contacting your trademark for a newer established business or you create a copyright, um, copyrightable work. You have established names, logo, da, 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 da. You received a letter saying your mark. Or copyrightable work infringes on intellectual property of others, or you see someone else using intellectual property that infringes on your rights. So, um, you know, is it, you know, people kind of want to know, are they, um, is it, um, you know, a huge, huge expense, or is this something that can be done fairly reasonably, or... How do, what do you say? I mean, it's, I don't think it's a huge expense and it's, you know, it's the expense of doing business, right? Yeah. And protecting your assets. So you want to think you have your common law trademark rights and your common law copyrights without registration. Yes. But in terms of, of trademarks, those are geographically limited to where you have, you know, assertively directed advertising, um, or you've built up consumer goodwill because you have customers in a certain area, for example. Um, and co- common law copyright, you can use to send a demand letter or get royalties, for example, or send a takedown request under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, but you can't bring a copyright infringement action in court. Um, so your common law rights are limited. And so thinking about registration, that limited cost at the upfront is um, going to be less expensive than having to try to enforce your common law rights. It's better to have those registered rights. 
And um, so in terms of copyright, in ter- um, yeah, in terms of copyright, it's the government fee is generally between like 45 to $85 for each application. Mm-hmm. And um, legal fees can probably range for a copyright application between like 500 to 1000 sort of depending on what the subject matter is. Right. And in terms of a trademark application, there's 45 classes of goods and services where any good or service can be classified that you could offer. And that's how the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office makes their money. So for every class that you include in your application for the goods or services that you use in connection with your trademark, um, it's $350 per class is the government fee. What if you forget one or you decide not to do more than a few? Um, so you want to, I, so, and let me just close the loop on like sort of the professional sure. fee. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, our uh, professional fees can range depending on how different law firms are do it. Um, and, you know, between like $750 to get it filed. I'd say for the whole process yeah. um, with the professional fees, it's usually about maybe like 1000 to $2,000. For the whole process, depending on what happens, you know, as you're prosecuting the trademark application. So with the government fees and um, professional fees, you're looking at, you know, like two to three thousand dollars to get a registered trademark, which is a lot less than would potentially be if you didn't if you run into issues without having that registration and having to litigate, you know, negotiate a settlement agreement. Um, But in terms of your question, so. I always try to get my clients the most protection possible in as few classes as possible, because obviously for each class you're paying $350. Um, So you want to keep your trademark application as broad as possible. So when I'm preparing an application for a client, I will look at their website, their social media pages, talk to them, make sure I have um, a firm grasp of everything that they're doing in connection with that brand name or logo, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then include all that in the application. And um, you want to, it's, it's so, it's advisable to have a trademark attorney help you with the application because um, the goods and services have to, of course, you want to get the most protection possible. You just, you don't want to be limited. And, and if someone does it on their own, they tend to not really do that whole analysis that I just talked about. Um, But also the list of goods and services need to comply with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office identification manual. Ah. Um, So there there has to be specific wording. Um, You may want to say the same product or service in different words um, to make sure you have as broad of coverage as possible. And um, and if you don't include a so you want to be as broad as possible when you file, especially if you're filing an intent to use trademark application, because you can always take things out um, before the mark registers. So if you're not really, you can file an application before you start using a mark and you're not you know, sure what exactly you're going to end up using the mark for in terms of goods and services um, before it registers. You can keep it as, you should keep it broad as possible because you, can, you can't add anything. You can only narrow an application once it's filed. Very interesting. Thank you for that. That's 
That's terrific. Um, so you work for the law firm and being in the payments industry, I know the importance, you know, of actually investing in your business and expense reduction work. And I know too that your function in a law firm, because I work with other law firms, um, isn't the office manager. You're not accepting payments, but I know that often when it comes to payment acceptance, the, a lot of card reps don't are not trained and um, you need specific best of practice um, payment processing, who, you know, your case, an understanding of IOLTA accounts, that there needs to be like an escrow account that you're not commingling, mm -hmm. you know, client fees and card processing, you know, that kind of thing and so forth. So it's something I do um, just as, you know, uh, just so you know, in case the office manager is interested. So if there are other law firms out there listening today, um, you know, you may want to, and, and following Jamie, you know, you may want to know that, that's all. And um, then I was going to ask you, um, do you, what is your next like burning desire or pro career project? Um, we're, you know, I'd like to follow my guess and kind of find out, you know, I found a little bit where, you, you know, you've been, um, where you're at, and now where are you going? Yeah, um, a few thoughts on that. I did a, uh, a webinar on, a, on course creation last week. Um, a lot of people are, are creating educational courses these days that they're offering, you know, online or digitally. And, you know, I thought that was really interesting. And, uh, and it combines, there's trademark and copyright aspects of that. And, you know, agreement work. Uh, there's terms of use you need to think about and uh, copyright applications for your materials, a trademark application for the name of your course. So I was kind of thinking about, you know, that area of law is really up and coming. And in terms of you know, LinkedIn has become a big platform for my business. Um, that's kind of like where I like to hang out. And I, I haven't, it's like a really great creative outlet for me. It's a limited amount of space for you to get your ideas out. You're constrained. So you don't have to write like a whole blog or a whole article. Yes. Um, and it's so easy to post. Um, so I've just really enjoyed being on that platform um, and engaging with people on that platform. And, um, I'm, and I've also started, um, some, uh, what's called trademark Tuesdays every week on clubhouse. So I'm exploring, I'm just starting to start exploring that platform. So those are sort of the two platforms that I'm going to see how that goes and see how that goes in terms of building my business, engaging with people, um, and learning those, the best practices for those platforms. That's very exciting. I think that's great. I love LinkedIn as well. And um, yeah, Carol Sawway has, um, and some others have been really, really good at helping uh, folks with their LinkedIn profile. And I've shared with them, for instance, the podcast, and I'm going to share on my LinkedIn, our podcast, um, because it's just such a professional social media right. page. 
to go to. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of like a safer space than maybe some of the other social media platforms because of that professionalism on that platform. You're not going to get a lot of um, trolls and things like that. I mean, sometimes that comes up, but I think it's a lot less prevalent than on other platforms. Yes. Other, other new platforms. I mean, Clubhouse isn't a, like a LinkedIn or anything, right? So Clubhouse, you can only use if you have an iPhone. Okay. Um, and it is like, it's all audio. So people develop clubs and, and or also discussions. You can just create a chat, schedule a chat, and then advertise the link to that chat. And, or it comes up like when you open your clubhouse based on the interests interest that you put in. Um, so then you open your chat room and you, the two hosts have, or one host or whatever you have, have the ability to run the meeting and they could potentially be the only ones speaking. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you can allow the other, pe- other people in the room to join the conversation. So it's like a podcast right. with audience participation. Oh, love it. It's a spin on that. Yeah, right. Uh, Sorry about that. Um, So I was just going to ask you uh, then, um, what are some key tip giveaways to the listeners today success on, you know, success straight? Sure. Yeah. In terms of your intellectual property, you know, you want to take, um, if you're just in starting a new business, obviously you know what your your the brand names are, the the sort of content that you're going to be using for your business. Um, so talk to an attorney about you know whether you need to do anything to protect the, that content and that name. If you're an established business, you may want to have an attorney do an assessment of your intellectual property assets to see what kind of recommendations they have, um, and then. Set up a watch service maybe with your with your attorney to see what domain names are getting registered. Um, if is anyone using your intellectual property on the internet? Is anyone filing trademark applications in the U.S. or worldwide um, with your trademarks in it? You want to keep an eye on that mm-hmm. um, because if someone files an application in another country, for example, say that you're interested in filing an application in because you're expanding your business you need to know about those things or they could be infringing your trademark. Um, And the more that you let that sort of proliferate, the more that your trademark and your brand gets diluted. Um, And I had one more tip. Um, Oh yeah. As sort of similar part of that is registering domain names, defensive and offensive domain names. So obviously the domain names that you want, for your business, the most obvious ones, but then thinking about maybe doing some domain name registrations in other countries that where um, cyber squatting is more of a problem, for example, like China or Russia or India. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. That's really great. Well, I feel like I would have a legal, cop, you know, intellectual property attorney on my side by hiring you. There's no doubt. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Me and too. yeah, I encourage everybody to go to Jamie's uh, Sternberg's LinkedIn. 
check it out. Um, you'll be hearing more from us about this. Stay tuned. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day, Jamie. Thank you so much. Thanks for, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Success Street. Each week, Success Street brings you the latest trends in essential business operating solutions, including conversations with industry leaders, reviews of emerging technologies, and discussions of innovative tools and techniques. If you'd like to hear other episodes of Success Street, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most of the other major podcast sites. You can go to www.successstreet.net to learn more and receive special offers. So until next time, we're pleased to offer you this vital information and hope you join us again on Success Street. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.